is our pacing th is our pacing threat. What? It's so fucking st okay. I can't keep calling everything fucking stupid because eventually that's just gonna have to rename the show that. In reality, the inflated threat of China's military pales in comparison to the United States military. The U.S. has over 800 overseas military bases, hundreds of which surround the borders of China. China currently has only one official overseas military base uh, located in Djibouti. Djibouti. Uh, this same tactic of threat inflation led to the U.S.'s catastrophic invasion of Iraq in 2003. The consequences of that intervention were not only horrific overseas, but also proved deadly and harmful for Arab, Middle Eastern, Muslim, and Muslim-perceived communities, said Madison Tang, coordinator of Code Pink's China is Not Our Enemy campaign. Today, we are already seeing the consequences of this escalation of war with China in the form of xenophobic violence that targets Asians and Asian Americans of various ethnicities across the U.S. Anti-Asian violence has increased 194% in the first quarter of 2021 compared to 2020, according to the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism. This pattern of heightened xenophobia and scapegoating for a minority group as a corollary to U.S. imperialist wars is not new and must be challenged. This push for rearmament, including hundreds of new land-based intercontinental ballistic missiles and submarine-mounted tactical nuclear weapons, comes amid concern the Biden administration's heated anti-China rhetoric and policies could plunge us into a nuclear war, said Marcy Winograd, coordinator of Code Pink Congress, a campaign to mobilize co-sponsors for progressive foreign policy legislation. There is no law of gravity, however, that compels President Biden, excuse me, um, but I would say that me burping on air is far less offensive than these fuckers trying to uh, raise the budget of the Pentagon. Okay, and that's my excuse. Okay, uh, da -da -da. there is no law of gravity, however, that compels President Biden or Congress to continue funding the drive for nuclear rearmament or global omnicide. Oh, I haven't seen that word before. Omnicide. Wow. At the end of the day, the federal budget is up to Congress to decide, not the president. We call on Congress to reduce the Pentagon budget by at least 10% and instead invest in what will truly make us safe, universal health care, good jobs, and addressing the climate crisis. Shouldn't be that difficult, but here we are. Act now. It's now more important than ever to contact your representatives and they provide a link and send them the Code Pink Guide to Pentagon budget cuts to demand that they show their support to reduce the Pentagon's budget, the Pentagon budget, and invest in human needs. And they also have additional quotes and reaction on Biden's proposed Pentagon budget from the international community. The way the U.S. budget overemphasizes the military hurts the American people and the world. A tiny fraction of the money that President Biden is proposing for the military budget would save the lives of millions of children in Yemen. Wouldn't that be a better investment in the future than more bombs, warships, and nuclear weapons? That's from Aisha Juman, president of Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. This enormous Pentagon budget will only lead to more military conflicts, more bloodshed, more grief. We saw enough of that in Afghanistan for the last 20 years. It's time to invest in peace. And that's from Basir Bita, local activist in Kabul, Afghanistan. There are many places where the U.S. could and should spend money, spend more money. At least it can start by paying for some of the huge damages it has caused to the people in this country and abroad in the last several centuries. Increasing the military budget, however, only makes everything worse. 
and that's Dr. Zhu, professor of economics at John Jay College, uh, CUNY, former professor of economics at Renmin University of China, and Chinese citizen. An increase in the U.S. defense budget will mean the deployment and or testing of U.S. weapons in South Korea, which endangers the lives of res residents near U.S. bases. U.S. military buildup has led to a perpetual arms race, including nuclear weapons and nuclear threats in Northeast Asia. The deployment of the U.S. THAAD, T-H-A-A-D, missile defense system in South Korea in 2017 has raised tension in the region and is opposed by many South Koreans. Villagers near the new THAAD base have been protesting every day against the illegal deployment. I join in the call to the Biden administration to reduce the U.S. defense budget and invest in human security, withdraw attention raising weapons systems from Korea, and end the more than 70-year-old Korean War with a peace agreement. That's from Yu Kyung-ko, a consultant for Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, the WILPF, and Women-Led Korea Peace Now campaign, and a standing committee member of the Korea Peace Appeal campaign. Next, the U.S. military, excuse me, the, I almost called it the U U.S. military states, and it's, we're kind of are. The United States military continues to negatively impact the lives of people who have never consented to the U.S. military presence, particularly in island nations in the Asia-Pacific region, such as Hawaii, Okinawa, and the Marianas. The military presence places the people of these nations in mortal danger of annihilation, as was demonstrated in 2018 via the false ballistic missile alert in Hawaii, proving that the U.S. military is incapable of protecting us. Furthermore, the military creates a burden in numerous other ways, such as through crime, pollution, and economic deprivation. And that is from Robert Kajiwara, founder of the Peace for Okinawa Coalition. Next, we members of the International Women's Network Against Militarism unequivocally oppose the proposed Biden Pentagon budget, spending nearly 50% of the U.S. discretionary budget, more than the next 10 countries combined, demonstrates the destructive priorities of a society committed more to world military domination than care of its people and the natural environment. Increased militarization in the U.S. and abroad will only create more insecurities, fear, and destruction, both at home and abroad, especially in places of massive U.S. military presence, such as Okinawa and Guam. We urge the Biden-Harris administration to withdraw the current proposal and formulate one that will ensure full health care, quality education, and environmental protection. And that is from the International Women's Network Against Militarism. So, again, um, we'll be posting this article on our webpage at weeklyrev.org. And in the article, uh, there are links you can click on to uh, contact your representatives and send them the Code Pink Guide to Pentagon Budget Cuts. So I know this is like... Wow, this is there's a lot here, and also they provide action items that folks can take to to speak up and to contact representatives. And also, as a reminder, in this article, it was mentioned how bad the the military is for the environment, and it's the U.S. military is actually the number one uh, cause and harm for for the environment. So it's it's really it's just it's bad for everybody, for people, for animals, for nature, for the world. So it's silly that we have to keep on talking about this, and yet here we are. So I'll be providing a link to this article on our webpage. I'm going to rest uh, my voice just a bit. We do have a lot more to get to, though. And, oh my gosh, so much more to get to. But I did want to play a little bit more music. And uh, coming up, I also wanted just to share an, another upcoming event. And this is happening on Thursday, June 3rd from noon to 3 p.m. Pacific time. 
This is an event uh, we take care of us, a deep dive into the movement to decriminalize mental health and skin color. And this is from uh, KPFA and the Anti-Terror Police Project. Now let's read a little bit about this here and then take a break. Uh, join us on June 3rd for our first virtual regional summit. We take care of us, a deep dive into the movement to decriminalize mental health and skin color. We'll spend an inspiring afternoon learning about how to build replicable and sustainable alternatives to police and prisons for mental health and how we as a community can take care of each other in moments of crisis. So this was shared by the ABTB. You can follow them on Twitter at APTP Action. It's also on the KPFA website. And we'll provide a link to this as well on our site at weeklyrev.org. All right, I'm going to uh, play some more Linda Lindas for you all. Um, also in the video, which we will also post a link to, um, they have an interview. So that's after the the last song that we played. So I'm going to jump to their next song, which is called No Clue. And then uh, after a couple songs, we'll be back with some more news articles and information for you all. So please do stay tuned.
went to lockdown, a boy in my class came up to me and said that his dad told him to stay away from Chinese people. After I told him that I was Chinese, he backed away from me. Eloise and I wrote the song based on that experience. This is about him and all the other racist, sexist boys in this world. That was the Linda Lindas with Racist Sexist Boy, and before that, No Clue. And again, this is from a performance, LA Public Library, and we'll share a link to the video on our website. Okay, much more to get to. Uh, this is from a, a news source I hadn't seen before. It's Tribune of the People, which is a revolutionary news service, and you can find it at tribuneofthepeople.news. And this is an article from May 23rd, 2021. Rallies, marches, and solidarity with heroic Palestinian resistance across the U.S. And I think it's important to share this because uh, a lot of these stories don't make it to mainstream and corporate media. So I wanted to share this as well. All right. This is by Dimitri Sanz. Uh, hundreds booed U.S. President Joe Biden when he visited Dearborn, Michigan, as part of a mass worldwide protest. As part of mass worldwide protest this week in solidarity with the Palestinian people and against U.S. imperialism for its role in Israel's crimes, thousands more mobilized in U.S. cities to celebrate Palestinian resistance and to condemn the Israeli murder of over 200 Palestinians, including dozens of children. Despite the ceasefire agreement between Hamas and the Israeli government, protests continued through this weekend, and more are scheduled in the days to come. Uh, some of excuse me. <coughs> some of the largest rallies and marches took place on Saturday, May fifteenth, the seventy-third anniversary of the Nakba, the catastrophe which marks the date when the displacement of Palestinians began, in full as the Zionist State of Israel accelerated its campaign of genocide upon its formation. Many of these solitary events saw protesters of all ages and various backgrounds demonstrating. Uh, the broad support for the Palestinian cause within the U.S. People in the U.S. have loudly echoed the call of the people worldwide standing with Palestinians in militant resistance to Zionist colonialism and U.S. imperialism. 
In Los Angeles, thousands marched through the streets on Saturday, at one point blocking traffic on Freeway 405. The police response, one attendee told Tribune, was comparable to that of the May uprisings last year, with officers deploying riot gear, sound cannons, and almost running numerous protesters over with vehicles. Later in the week, hundreds would protest at the Israeli consulate in West Los Angeles, chanting, Free, Free Palestine. In Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, hundreds protested at Israel's U.S. Embassy. In Boston last weekend, protesters disrupted traffic, marching to the area's Israeli consulate, where they unfurled a large banner that read, Free Palestine. Other large protests took place in New York, Philadelphia, Sacramento, New Orleans, Houston, and more. Uh, New York saw clashes between Palestinian solidarity protesters and supporters of Zionism. In one incident, a supporter of Israel chased after a young child who snatched the Israeli flag out of his hands, but the man was beaten back by Palestine supporters who defended the child. New York police targeted the pro-Palestine demonstrators for arrest rather than the pro-Israel demonstrator. When faced with state troopers at the Texas state capitol, hundreds of protesters in Austin chanted, there is only one solution, ooh, uh, intifada revolution. The rally, which began on the sidewalk, was too large to be contained and spilled into the streets, turning into an unpermitted march through downtown Austin. One Austin protester held a portrait of Palestinian political prisoner George Abdallah. Speakers called for overthrowing U.S. imperialism and uniting all resistance struggles with the, cl with the class struggle. I think this time, as hard as it seems for people in Gaza and Jerusalem, is really promising, said an attendee of the Austin rally who grew up in Gaza. If all Palestinians unite and fight together, then we will finally be on the right track. It is always right for us to be in resistance. And they have a video as well. Uh, in Charlotte, at a rally of a few hundred people, one speaker called for solidarity between the movement for black lives in the U.S. and the Palestinian rebellion. Thousands demonstrated in San Francisco in front of the Israeli consulate. At a pro-Palestine protest in Fresno, Zionist counter-protesters were ran out and Israeli flags were burned. Um, the Kansas City Sister Cities International Bridge, lined with flags from countries around the world, protesters tore down an Israeli flag and replaced it with a Palestinian flag to the cheers of the crowd. Uh, other protests were held in Pittsburgh and Orlando. In Pittsburgh, the protests initiated at East Liberty Presbyterian Church and marched towards the Carnegie Mellon University, where protesters condemned the university's collaboration with the Israeli Defense Forces. On Saturday, there were demonstrations in Portland, Tulsa, and other cities, with more solidarity demonstrations expected in the coming days. And there's a lot more photos in this article as well. Wow. Whew. Okay. <sighs> Going to take a deep breath here. That's a lot. Uh, I'm just wanting to share what was happening, what's been happening around the country. Oh, goodness. <sighs> and also on the episode of the show, I believe last week or the week before, we also shared some events and ways uh, in which uh, Jewish communities in the U.S. were showing solidarity with Palestinians. And there's a couple of orgs that folks can donate to and also support. Um, so I wanted to, to share that as well. And yes, there are Jewish-led actions against apartheid, and as well as a debrief and open organizing call that happened. So I wanted to share those links. And this is from uh, ifnotnowmovement.org that you can find as well as Jewish Voice for Peace. Whew, deep breath. Speaking of colonialism, uh, 
wanted to share this is a brief abstract sometimes we go kind of everything's connected definitely believe that and also wanted to share just a bit of history as well because that's very informative to what's going on right now and this is from a magazine called uh, science advances which i don't believe i've necessarily read from before but did want to share at least the abstract of this article that came out on may 19th of this year large-scale reptile extinctions following european colonization of the guadalupe islands guadalupe islands and this is uh, from Corentin Bochetan, Emmanuel Paradis, Salvador Bailon, Sandrine Gruard, uh, Ivan Einick, and uh, Anud Lenope. And many more authors. Okay. Uh, Lenoble, uh, Olivier Lorvelec, and Tresset, and Nicole Boven. And hope I. Uh, sharing speaking the names correctly and the abstract from this article large-scale extinction is one of the defining challenges of our time as human processes fundamentally and irreversibly reshape global ecosystems while the extinction of large animals with popular appeal garners widespread public and research uh, research interest the importance of smaller less charismatic species to ecosystem health is increasingly recognized benefiting from systemically a systematically collected fossil and archaeological archives, we examined snake and lizard extinctions in the Guadalupe Islands of the Caribbean study of the Caribbean. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I get to that point <laughs> after an hour where sometimes the words run into each other, so I'm going to take my time here. A study of about 43,000 bone remains across six islands revealed a massive extinction of 50 to 70% of Guadalupe's snakes and lizards following European colonization. In contrast, earlier indigenous populations coexisted with snakes and lizards for thousands of years without affecting their diversity. Study of archeological remains provides insights into the causes of snake and lizard extinctions and shows that failure to consider fossil derived data probably contributes to substantial underestimation of human impacts to global biodiversity. Wow. And then there's a whole article here um, with a lot more information. So if you're interested in reading more, you can go to the Science Advances website. And again, we will post a link on our website. Wow. Whew. That's a lot. I'm going to take a, a breath for a moment. Um, and I wanted to share a video, or the audio from a video, certainly. It's from the Gravel Institute. I recommend following them on Twitter. You can follow them at Gravel Institute. Also, I'm on Twitter. And I do a lot of... Uh, shared tweets on there so feel free to follow me on there as well r-o-m-a-n-r-i-m-e-r -E so this is a video called um is uh, excuse me is uber scamming you i think a lot of us know the answer to that personally i think i've maybe written in one uber in my or two my entire life and that's when someone else has ordered them and it's just a shame because i'm all about uh you know, public transportation, uh, accessible transportation, and walking and biking, and oh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's a lot. Okay, so I'm gonna play the audio from this video. I'll leave my mic on in case I need to describe any of the visual images. Hopefully, should be included here in the uh, in the audio. Among the pantheon of corporations that have emerged out of Silicon Valley, Uber occupies a special place. The company is worth $100 billion, 
Hundreds of billions of dollars worth of trips and delivery orders have been booked using its app. And I want to share the uh, speaker's name. And this is Edward Ungueso Jr., who's a staff writer at Vice. Trips and delivery orders have been booked using its app. It gets tens of billions of dollars in revenue each year. Uber is everywhere. And the narrative of Uber is also everywhere. It says that Uber is innovative, that it can disrupt the taxi industry and make money doing it, and that it can offer flexibility and opportunity to its army of drivers. Everybody wins. There's one problem. None of that is true. Let's start with one basic fact. For a company so prominent, there's something very strange. Uber has never, not once, turned a single profit. You might be confused. How can it be that such a large company with such a popular service has simply never made money? When you find out the answer, you discover something important. You discover that Uber is fundamentally a scam, a company that exists to scam its investors, its users, and most importantly, to scam its workers. Despite everything you might hear, Uber is not a technology company. While the company may brag about its sophisticated algorithm, in reality, Uber is just another taxi company. There's nothing fundamentally more efficient about Uber than there was with your local taxi service. The business is the same. There's no real way to innovate someone driving someone or something from point A to point B. Using an app to match riders with drivers is so simple that local taxi companies do the same thing. In fact, Uber is less efficient than taxi companies. Most normal taxi companies don't spend huge amounts on marketing or lobbying or corporate headquarters. They don't pay their CEO $45 million a year. Uber has higher costs than traditional taxi operators in every category except fuel. So why is Uber everywhere while taxi companies go out of business? It all goes back to Uber's master plan. First, with massive amounts of money from venture capitalists, Uber subsidized significantly cheaper rides than what taxi companies could offer to attract customers away from them. Then, after years of undercutting competitors and driving them to bankruptcy, resulting in a wave of suicides by cab drivers, Uber established near monopolies in local markets. Now, Uber is often the default way to get around if you don't have a car. And once Uber has eradicated its competition, it can make itself profitable at expense of users and drivers, raising its fares to what taxis offered or higher while pushing down drivers' wages. The plan is not efficiency, it's monopoly. And that's not just me theorizing. A 73-page article in the Transportation Law Journal took a deep look at Uber's business and concluded one thing. Uber has no ability, now or in the foreseeable future, to earn sustainable profits in a competitive marketplace. Uber's investors cannot earn returns on the money they invest without achieving levels of market dominance that would allow them to exploit anti-competitive market power. So that is Uber's grand plan. It is not increasing the productivity or efficiency of the industry that it's in. It's subsidizing its rides with venture capital cash until it can build a monopoly and do whatever it wants. So users who buy Uber's narrative may be getting scammed, but no one is getting it worse than Uber's workers. So Uber relies on classifying drivers as independent contractors. In the United States, that means an individual provides services to a company, but is independent of the company and its control. Uber says that because drivers can choose what work to accept and for how long, they're fully independent. Now, most of Uber's workers drive part-time, but they actually do relatively little driving, and 90% of them quit each year. The majority of Uber's labor is done by a smaller group of workers who drive full-time for the company. So who are these drivers? In cities like New York, the vast majority are immigrants. 
from places like India, Bangladesh, and Haiti. They desperately need cash to support their families and send remittances back home. These are people at the very margins of our society. And how does Uber treat them? Uber treats them like a pool of cheap labor, easy to exploit and then discard. Uber's always been clear about one thing. It does not care about its drivers. At Uber's Greenlight Centers, where drivers register with the company, they were not even allowed to enter bathrooms reserved for employees. In fact, when Uber was talking about how it would become profitable, it stated clearly that it wanted to get rid of its drivers and transition entirely to self-driving cars. But Uber's technology was so bad that after burning billions of dollars, it had to give up. So for now, Uber is stuck with its drivers. And in order to appear like it's coming closer to profitability, it's been cutting their wages since 2015. Whenever Uber increases its cut from each trip or reduces the minimum rate for drivers, its margins improve by that much immediately. As a result, Uber drivers regularly earn less than the minimum wage. After taking hidden costs like fuel into account, the average Uber driver earns a little over $9 an hour, about 50% less than what taxi drivers made before Uber. In fact, half of Uber drivers live at or below the poverty level. 20% of them have to use food stamps to survive. Unable to afford a home, some drivers even sleep in their cars. Drivers, with nothing to their name, get trapped in predatory car rental schemes promoted by Uber. They garnish your wages until you've paid it off with interest. One study from Georgetown found that a third of drivers reported falling into a debt trap. Some ended up earning less than $5 an hour. And because its drivers are technically independent contractors, Uber can avoid pesky requirements like minimum wages, health insurance, or paid sick leave. Drivers can't unionize to bargain for better conditions. Uber has all the power, and it makes sure it can stay that way. When California tried to classify drivers as employees, Uber spent hundreds of millions of dollars on a campaign to overturn it with a ballot proposition written by Uber's lawyers. And even though Uber talks about flexibility, that's not what drivers actually experience. Drivers may not have physical bosses to order them around, but they're ruled by something even worse, an algorithmic overseer that's more intrusive than any flesh and blood boss could ever be. Uber's only actual innovations are in surveilling and disciplining its workforce. They're always watching, monitoring driving behavior, calculating fraud profiles, using invisible secret functions to discipline drivers as well as customers. Fall below an arbitrary threshold for ratings? Fired. Reject too many trips because you don't want to lose any money? Fired. Did a customer make a false report? Fired. So that's the freedom that Uber offers. It frees drivers to make below minimum wage, to sleep in their cars, to beg for five-star ratings, and work themselves to the bone. But at the end of the day, Uber, like other gig companies, is an innovator. Not in technology, but in exploitation. It's leading the war against labor in ways other companies never thought possible. It oversees a pool of atomized, ultra-exploited laborers, writes its own regulations, and has done it all without earning a single cent of profit. Imagine what sort of world they'll need to start making one. I'm Edward Anguasso Jr., staff writer advice for the Gravel Institute. Oof. A lot of information there. Um, and we'll be posting a link to this uh, on our website. Wow. All right. So it's just about almost 1.30 here. Did want to get to a few more pieces of information. And again, just a drop in the bucket of what's out there. 
And this is from uh, Bay Attention Bay Area, San Francisco. Follow A Rock Bay Area, and you can follow them at A R O C Bay Area, and their blocktheboat.org mobilization against uh, Israel apartheid state. Text your name to one eight one block Z I M, and that's one eight one two five six two five nine four six for updates and calls to action. Call four one five eight six one seventy four forty four to get in touch and stand for free Palestine. And so more information there. And again, we'll post a link on our website. Also, there have been quite a few anti-trans bills that some folks have been trying to pass across the country and wanted to share some clarifying information from uh, Chase Strangio, who is a lawyer and also shares a lot of information about this um, on a regular basis. So following Chase on Twitter is a great idea. If you would like to learn more, and Chase's uh, Twitter address handle is at Chase Strangio, and that's uh, C A H. C-H-A-S-E-S-T-R-A-N-G-I-O. And Chase writes, this is on May 22nd. I am seeing everywhere posts and headlines about Tennessee banning healthcare for trans youth. That is wrong. Please be careful with the info you are spreading in this very precarious time. Here is what happened. Tennessee passed many laws targeting trans youth, including a ban on sports, a ban on restroom use, a mandate that businesses post signs if they allow trans people to use the restroom, and a law that unnecessarily codifies the standards of care for treating trans young people. But all the health care law does is say you cannot treat pre-pubertal young people with hormones to treat gender dysphoria. No, that is zero kids receive hormones pre-puberty for gender dysphoria already. So the law does nothing to disrupt the existing care. It sends a message of disapproval. It scares kids and their families, but the only medical treatment provided for gender dysphoria is initiated at puberty, not before. So the law does not disrupt the care. The fact that people are saying the care is banned is terrifying people. Young people across the country are fearing for their well-being, and we have to be discerning about what we share because people's lives and bodies are in deeply precarious positions. Arkansas has cut off care for trans youth, but Tennessee did not. To all the media outlets writing these headlines for clicks, please stop. You're doing a terrible thing, making people scared and spreading misinformation. All right. Oof. Take a deep breath. It's about 1.30. Uh, did want to get to at least a couple more uh, news articles here. I'm going to take a deep breath because it's a lot, and I don't mean to just keep on, A, running through all these because and without the time to just take a breath and let them sit. Um, and also, there's I recognize so much more that's happening. So again, here for a few hours a week and uh, get to what we can, show the connections between everything, including people in positions of power who cause great harm to the rest of us and how we can push back against that. Okay, deep breath. Um, also, there's a thread. Let's see. I think, I think, yeah, the last thing I'm going to get to before we play some music and, and uh, end up, and because uh, it's just, wow, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. So this is from uh, Robert G. Reeve, who is a privacy tech worker. So I think the fact that so many of us use technology and uh, as the Uber video mentioned just or the anti-uber video mentioned uh just uh it's important just to understand what these tech companies are up to so i wanted to share this thread that was on twitter 
uh, and Robert writes, um, and you can also follow Robert on Twitter at Robert G. Reeve. I'm back from a week at my mom's house, and now I'm getting ads for her toothpaste brand, the brand I've been putting in my mouth for a week. We never talked about this brand or Googled it or anything like that. As a privacy tech worker, let me explain why this is happening. First of all, your social media apps are not listening to you. This is a conspiracy theory. It's been debunked over and over again. But frankly, they don't need to because everything else you give them unthinkingly is way cheaper and more powerful. Way more powerful. Your apps collect a ton of data from your phone. Your unique device ID, your location, your demographics. We know this. That's, we know this. Okay. Data, data aggreg aggregators pay to pull in data from everywhere. When I use my discount card at the grocery store, every purchase, that's a data set for sale. They match uh, this person, Robert's uh, Harris Teeter purchases to his Twitter account um, because uh, he says, I gave both those companies my email address and phone number and I agreed to all that data sharing when I accepted those terms of service and the privacy policy. Here's where it gets truly nuts though. Uh, and this is written in first person from Robert. Uh, Robert says, if my phone is regularly in the same GPS location as another phone, they take note of that. They start reconstructing the web of people I'm in regular contact with. The advertisers can cross-reference my interests and browsing history and purchase history to those around me. It starts showing me different ads based on the people around me, family, friends, coworkers. It will serve me ads for things I don't want, but it knows someone I'm in regular contact with might want. To subliminally get me to start a conversation about, I don't know, fucking toothpaste. It never needed to listen to me for this. It's just comparing aggregated metadata. The other thing is this is just out there in the open. Tons of people report on this. It's just nobody cares. We have decided our privacy just isn't worth it. It's a losing battle. We've already given away too much of ourselves. And then posts an article from it. Is Facebook spying on you? And then quotes uh, from an article, we spotted a senior official at the Department of Defense walking through the Women's March. His wife was also on the mall that day, something we discovered after tracking him to his home in Virginia. That's an article from the New York Times. Uh, 12 million phones, one data set, zero privacy. And then the next, uh, next piece is, uh, so they know my mom's toothpaste. They know I was at my mom's. They know my Twitter. Now I get Twitter ads for my mom's toothpaste. Your data isn't just about you. It's about how it can be used against every person you know and people you don't to shape behavior unconsciously. Apple's latest updates let you block apps tracking and Facebook is mad. They're begging you to just press accept and go back to business as usual. Block the fuck out of every app's ads. It's not just about you. Your data reshapes the internet. And there's a link to an article from Vox.com, why Facebook and Apple are fighting over your privacy. The internet is never going to be the wacky place it was when I had a live journal and people shared protein gifts in the form of YTMNDs. Big business has come to suck the joy and your dollars out of it. At least make it hard for them. Oh, and this is uh, Robert's uh, Twitter high score. If you like D&D, okay. So that's uh, just a link to more of Robert's info. So yeah, yikes, there's a lot there. For sure, and we'll post a link. I, I try to end the show usually on some optimism, but wow, it's hard. It's hard to. Yikes. Um, but I think uh, check out our website, weeklyrev.org. Lots of upcoming events and ways to take action. Because, yeah, things are terrifying, and also so many ways 
the folks can show up. So I'm going to play some Linda Lindas, and I think that's going to be it for us today. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. I did a lot of talking. Wow. All right. Uh, thanks again to Val for, for having the time to, to chat. And uh, we'll be back next week and end up the show with a couple of uh, Linda Linda songs, and these are some covers. Uh, have a great week, everyone. Oh, I should, you know, hi, uh, promote the Patreon. There are some shows, some podcasts out there that have, uh, you know, engineers and producers and advertisers, and this is a very much uh, DIY project here. I've been doing it now for almost eight years. So if you were touched or you learned anything on the show today and or <laughs> like the music, anything at all, I'm going to support the show. Please, you know, spread the word. This is available on multiple streaming uh, uh, mediums. <laughs> we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. Um, also on FM Player. Many other apps out there. Mutiny Radio has a has an app of its own. And also there's plenty of other great shows here on Mutiny Radio. So please do check out the website. And if you'd like to donate to the show, that would be super helpful. We have a Patreon up. You can find it at our page at weeklyrev.org. Or go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. And big thanks to all the folks who chip in on a monthly basis. Uh, it makes uh, it makes it so much easier to be able to come in here and share these this news with you all. So thanks again, and we'll be back next week. Whew, another deep breath. Uh, have a great week, everyone. So these, these next, next two songs, songs um, we, we performed in the movie Mossy, which is based off of a book, book too, so check it out.
Tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio, my friend. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny radio, my friend. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, 
there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. We're hosts of <laughs> YouTube uh, with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Yeah, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, 5%. Right, I'm so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show, 5 p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh. Let's watch full-length movies. Let's do a full-minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See you next month. I was just leaving the theater. Convertible 1969 gold Cadillac with a white interior. And I started to do some thinking. Flat black glass. Smoking big spliffs and cruising. Saturday noon to two. On the freeway. I am a Hello, Blake. Henry. Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Hey, everybody. Listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m.
thank you. That song is called Acid and Fapping. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and doll on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion and love with passion and our passion who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution who would rather die than fall in line to conform who constantly challenge the norm who greet each and every day as if just born i say to you i know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact and in fact i know it best when i say to you i love you Hello there, my friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for <laughs> is indubitiveness. And if you can't make it to Rooney Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage on the mountain ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for comedy clubhouse with a k you can download it for free but we'd love to see you every friday 8 to 10 down here at mutiny radio laugh off your tushy and save your life because you know what's better than laughter well it's a cash cock baby Mm -hmm.
You can watch if you want to. You can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. It's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny. It's it's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny. Oh, my turn offs are guys who say mutiny. Mutiny. Well, let's watch a full length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. watch a full-length movie on YouTube. Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey, Mike. We can YouTube if you want to. We can, we can leave, leave our, our friends, friends behind. behind. Yeah. My, and my, my friend's friend. you. My friend's you, Mike. I'm going to leave yeah. your behind. Phew. <laughs> I love them without hats. Uh, welcome to the show. We are going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. Would you let us do it? Uh, you can follow us on our podcast, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Always bring that up up front. Yeah. Love to say that we are streaming right now mutinyradio.fm you first on Sundays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Mutinyradio.fm.
I'm Serena, Allison, Daniel, Fiona, Kate, Lee, Oliver, and this is Radio 11, Radio 11, Radio 11, Radio 11, this is our Q. Oh dear, and dear, less and less, the truth is still light enough to know at origin the difference, you only see. It was a common ground. Common in the sense that it was sensed, and not so much for its enjoyment, but more so for the slight perturbery, but then again, enough of that, as halls and mirrors of incidents bring it back to a full stop, and stop it again. And so. Where is middle ground, or the high road, likely where the path less traveled, as frosty as that goes, from the ant, up to the arctic, a global globular. He stamped his feet, quietly and figuratively. These voices. Know them do you? Do they come about? Only at night, when the lights are out. Well the bodies. And the voices during the day. But I'm not victimized by it any longer. And while the awareness of it is a continuation, the also continuity of time and life, as in serial, is a bready breadth of gesturely spasmodic ooze which decouples the them from even and oddly themselves, for as they turn their backs, they turn into themselves. Which is why they keep getting out. He banged on the table. You talk like that now, do you? The now of you, that is? And you make me talk that way too, the professor riled a simple version of his rileyer grin. Q chose a professor as his psychiatrist, because of the full placement of embedded woody bookshelves, as yet to be, and now discoverable. You can put them away, if you'd like. Oh! What? The bookshelves. You're blocking up your mind, stop it. Oh I see. Good advice. Non-matter energy into nothing. How do we do that again, now? The world turns, 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 don't worry about it so often. The two sat, very much as if he were wearing a long coat, and the other twiddling on some things from his pocket, something spinny and thought-provoking. So what don't you want to talk about at this time today? We've got a whole dictionary you didn't think about last time you were not here, again. Oh, it's that time again. To fold a space-time object around a matrices of more foldery bits, as in the paper fortune teller? Did that ever work for you? It always works. Now what answer did you expect? Well, the last one that came up, I suppose. I mean, is that a trick question? Of course it isn't, it's only a trick if it fools you. And that was a horrible errand. Hum. So what do you do when I'm not in the room? Professor. Live stream trees in forests just to prove your point again, eh? The Amazon. Yes. Too wet to fall. I saw your notes. The selfless ones. Oh. The letters. Yes. 
They're a bit too organized to be immediately as immediacy requires, I feel. I mean, we should have heard by now. It's like people are expecting somebody else to do it. BTW the time the room gets through a bubble sort tree of the what do you do, and what do you do reintroductions, the day is up and we're all cross at each other for not having gotten any work done, or spent any meaningful amount of cash drop dot bull gobble wobber for a return, herm. Herm. So how would you expect it to go, and do go on about free energy, as time permits, of course he grinned. Gu's eyes sidled away from the suggestion, and carried forward. Well I think everybody's just a bit too afraid to touch it. I mean. The perfect thread. I mean. Like well suited and the like, like. How are we going to feel if some muckery gets stuffed into a piece of threading and it can't be bypassed, and shouldn't be removed, and really shouldn't be traversed or retraversed, by me anyway? And I guess that is my point. It's not built yet, but as it is. The neutrality would sidestep all that nonsense, and the versioning would place the we in our zones to be the US we desire for the now which is our future, and the like. See? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely, as in the positivity, yes. So from either or and about, the language, as versed, and well, in fact, has such a lyric to it that it's enjoyable from any angular or such direction, or I say velocity, as a pair of variables, but, well the sets of the pairs. And, yes I'd love to think those bits will be discoverable in all the instances where such is required, to bring about, their, own, fully expected and absolutely essential liquidity of freedom and choice as hash-free energy, and yes, even people say hashtag out loud now, it's quite ingenious. But of course that's verbal and it throws people in a loop. He went on. The library. We've got to have a big steel building around, a cool looking one, to stick right into Washington, completely empty, or empty enough, or perhaps draw it on, with a map. Though I think it needs physicality. Maybe a tiny miniature one, at street trolleys, for sale to tourists, this is the US blockchain library. He swung his arms around, stopped and looked, and settled down. Well I guess it should be physical. At least a special access in libraries, or some at. He trailed off. The physicality stuck with him for a moment, and as recently he wanted things both big and small, and static, and portable, and infinite, and, this, distributed, and now and later and forever, and not before, but just, and now, and again. And that was his mode of thinking, and it had to be that, to describe exactly what time was, and he didn't want to muck it up, and so there was always this push-pull, at least in those moments of momentary lapse, but unlike the song, not so numbly comfortable, in that order. He looked back at the professor, who was now looking out a window, and quite obviously thinking to himself, as to how Q was thinking to himself. It was a good pairing for a 50-minute session or 88 lines of code, or per calculation. He wondered what the professor did when Q would leave, or when the code was up. Make coffee, the professor said out loud. In answer to your silence hum of a breath I just heard you complete an internal thought involving me, for you breathed in my direction. It's a thermos, but pouring it into a smaller cup gives me satisfaction. Oh! More satisfying than this, 
I mean, the silent thinking and the white lilies you've got growing in your garden, out the window? Is that your private garden? I didn't see it from the outside. Nobody can get into it. It's wild. Only the bird and the bees seem to reach it. They do a good job, I think. So I leave them to it. He looked over unconvincingly towards his desk, where a vase with a set of white lilies rest peakfully, fresh cut and in water. I see, Q turned. Young bird is she? Her own private entrance then? Or exit? Well it's not my. It's business, not to burst your love bubble. But the honey is nice too. You didn't pry, but always felt these personal conversations withered, as he failed to keep up with the affairs of others. Whether that was not a matter to him, or a matter to discuss, just hung gently in the air, and the professor was good at keeping an air about him. It was three o'clock, at least the wall clock spoke up, not in a vacuum, that one, eh? The joke fizzle. Must be that time of the session. Delete twelve lines of code. Reroute double entry to a pair of numbers you'll find on your card. On the way out, follow the spiral staircase towards and about the skylight until you see the blue stained glass, then sit a while and work on your portrait some more. It's been lovely. Q picked up his grey coat from the chair, and smiled a closed lip smile as his eyes balled over the knob on the door, for a quick twistery, and out and about, as per his objective. When he reached the bell tower, he took stock a bit, and, those cords there are for 5 p.m., and the others for 7, and so forth, down and around to perhaps a pipe organ, through the halls and walls, but for now. Quantum ticked as PV noticement of itself put tiny droplets of OAE mattery facts hung slightly in air, and to the unknown again, to stretch to connect a familiar bit for to wit was not yet to be known, and so, he eyed a bit of copper running around the tower wall. Or maybe a phone call. And it's with that, we take our slight pause into the stopgap air spacings of a switch up whose top bottle for the mind stamp look out here we go again, that was our orca cue and just now he's typing me this letter to let you know about more Frederick of the suited, and well off kind and kind to denote your notes and ledgers for a donation of the type of grand biscuits to make our bellies shine on and like a lighthouse, boom and booming, as in the sound of a generation of fellow up stalks. From this the bedroom communities of San Francisco and down the bayside and so, do consider reading these pinned hat messages on the small screens in Twitterverse and Reddit, and discover some more on and about the fictional real and really fictional and like and as fashion, and the all the timeable, this is Serena from the labs of Chatteraqua Q. And that was the blockchains of love and concurrency, a bit of fictional non-fiction, Dictioned for the placement towards the corner stop bottom mind bender bits for your Monday enjoyment. This is Radio 11, your Monday programming on Mutiny Radio FM, broadcast around the world, and around the station, stationed dairy and under, as variable potter jotters set tonal frequencies of light, into matters of factoid lattices, for the spectrum return to ground and this is characters paged. Characters. Paged. Dot dot. Their pagers went off, all simultaneously, and they looked down, from across the world and onto their wrists. Dot. The screens blinked a bit, the three of them paused and waited for it to clear. 
Aria was sitting in a coffee shop outside of Geneva. Again, she thought her pinkish golden watch timed as selected when it was time for a time away and this was it. Q was in the middle of bussing some papers down the street towards and away from things as usual, left coat pocket and the like. And Miranda was just up at sunrise at the Pacific Rim this time, no joke. She traveled overnight and had packed just a bit for a conference meetup for the book convention scheduled last May from the township. Aria sipped her orange juice and tapped the screen. You in there Q? What's the dinging about? We're all about with our business and the proceedings are proceeding with process and necess. As needed, Aria thought he might hear it but she tapped the screen once just to highlight her notion of notioning. Miranda tapped back. Yep, he's got his paperwork about and I believe he believes he's heading upward to the never-ending story folks. They seem on about a traquel as you know how he can fly time and the like, and so. Silence. Q was not normally in this much sun, from this time of day. More of a night owl and black cars and the odds slipping in at the right moments and such. But geez. 101 pages on this one, and several copies for the crew, and still three hours until the next. Shoot he dropped the papers. About time something happened, he paused and looked towards the ground, as they were slightly in between the shimmering embedded sparkly sidewalk and a bit of slick towards and in the gutter. His watch chimed and the haptics hit up Aria's beat. Tap tap. So this is what you get onto when you're not getting onto. Ain't you? Aria quipped and sipped again at her orange juice, with now a splash of soda and a straw she keeps with her, so as to be ecological. Yes, Aria. The onto is onto the floor and chores like this haven't made it up the staircase to the case I need to get to, spiral bound and booked up like a top shelf, for this pack of loose papers now, a bit dirty and, well, not in yourself, I can see that. Is that a pocket protector? No it's a packet of gum. It's for the, fresh. Anyway how's your end? Aria's end was just fine and sitting, just and there and she adjusted slightly at the thought and thought about telling him about the. Oh, surprise. Q blurted out, and bent over to pick up a quarter on the street. Damn it's a regular one. You'd hope for a 1964 silver ore, but anyway. The story is carrying on, and it's just time not carrying it anymore, it's toppled into the streets and somebody forgot to number the pages. So it'll be up to you guys to piece it together once I get over. I'll scan it and you can run it through a quick OCR or something. Or, I can. Wait he picked up a cup of coffee and dropped it directly downward onto the ground, and the cup hit square bottom and the coffee jumped out and bits all over the papers. He took a quick photo, shuffled them together, and straightened his back up a bit. Oh, I think I got the ordering now. We have the cover bound by main splash and the spill into the street by the spray that's come off it. We're good for ordering, now, I'll just get on and cross splash check it from the place. Miranda too now was on the call, as she sipped her coffee. You know I would have brought you one when you arrive, I hope it wasn't a creamy one. Anyway, nice idea. I'll explain the coffee to the crew, but why didn't you try that old card trick? Pick a page any page? And was a simultaneous chagrin from the crew. Blip. Miranda's power was out, and just shrugged and put her watch on the charger. It's the sort and sorted chronicle of chronicled forgetfulness wherein their malaise was being re-triggered. 
Maybe it was the planetary offset, or maybe our characters needed to be reminded of themselves once again. It had been three weeks since the, shoot, and more so since the, oh yes. And there was always a place to whisk her off to and never stick, and sticking was like this. Q jabbed a stick of gum into his mouth and hummed up the street. He found the iron doorway near Chinatown, though slightly uptown, where he was to deliver the papers. He then jabbed all six buttons on the door and waited for a buzzing. Buzzed. He walked inside at a slightly dim fluorescent entryway, and some wooden doors towards the left and right, but walked straight up center. To the elevator. Black rounded keys with embedded white lettering, and the floor he was to go to was. He glanced. The worn out one which was slightly sticky from Mad Tong and his bubble gum fingers. He grinned and snapped a bubble and proceeded into the lift. When he was onto the floor, he found the small office lit up brightly with a large window showing into the hallway, and motioned to the secretary as she waved at him and got up to greet him. Black hair that had to have been done up recently, and a white starched blouse and a black chain, elegant and simple. And cufflinks. She didn't have an accent, and he didn't expect one. Global never does when they're not expecting expecting company, and he placed the papers gently down by her table. 101, she said. And a coffee. I heard about it. She stated in a slate gray tone of chagrin and looked over the papers. Well it's time and a half to type these up, so type there but out of order, so that'll be. She punched a calculator in her head, or as if, and it'll be alright if the coffee trick works out. And maybe we'll make it into a time travel series, you know. With the pages and all. You know what happened with... Tron. They both said it, but her mouth was only motioning. Her mouth remained open and she smiled. How did she do that? She turned and her shoulders motioned him into a room directly behind, and he paused and proceeded towards it, with her behind him. He looked back a bit and motioned a question towards the brass doorknob. She nodded and they both proceeded into the room, which again was lit well, and, well, a bit of a thick wall. And, tap tap. His watch was out. Shielded. The door closed and she hit a button on her watch, and the lights dimmed to a sort of reddish fluorescent and there was hum. Secondaries, her voice flatted a little. Keep your voice at this tone so that it's in line with the active RF chokes we have going around the place. The papers. And the coffee. And the gum. Good job and I hope you picked up everything we left, yes? The. Q found it impossible not to beam, and look around at the place. It only takes one word to get into this place, eh? He joked. Of course it took several months and a year and plus before that, but he was here. And here? Well. Heard anyway. He maintained and took out his pen, and pulled a paper up from the desk and began to write a few words. The women looked on the bit begruzzled, as her face noted the word and she said nothing. Then he clicked the pen and the word lit up in a sort of iridescence, and as he moved his light across the word, the patterns moved, and continued and moved as long as the light was on them, pausing only when he took away the light, and using those last bits of light to orient themselves into. Stasis was the word. He explained, although he didn't need to, for her, he still felt a bit like Mr. Wizard with this thing, and as he kept his voice at a dim glimmer, and she continued to eye the ink on paper, 
as it had now been transfixed for several minutes in the beauty of the alignment of the... What was it again? Electroglutosilicate. He said as plainly as the red light on her cufflinks. And he blinked at her. She looked over the pen and took off her cufflinks and they did indeed match. Same guy, I can see. Incredible taste in. What was it again? Everything? Came the response. The form that follows function at its ultimate and timely and literally time and specificity of genetics in a package designed in for and with and. Well this is where planet Earth finds a use for its silicon, and silicon finds a purpose for its ordered numbering. In truth, there were no numbers. This was pure life, on whatever surface and surfaced, and still, and still enough to travel and. It likes light she said and smiled to him as she played with a pen across the paper. Well, it doesn't just like light, it likes to sleep as well. The orientation is a learning experience for these silly guys and gals, on paper anyway. They spend their time solving their own problems, which in turn, when applied solves your problem, if you know what you're doing. And I hope you do. Because we can't lose these. It's that simple. And they'll carry on and work their way out of your own problem if you have the right one which works for life, and that is why these are going places. Because we needed an ethics on chip and this is Gestalt breakfast better than any possibility we'd imagined. You know how they were discovered? I thought you were going to say asteroid. She noticed she was becoming interestingly excited and had to dim her voice a bit more. Sort of like that. It was a smashed glass from a satellite, onto a flight carrier that had its little science experiment exposed to refracting light and electricity for 11 and a half minutes until they were crushed into dust by a jet landed onto them. Strange circumstance. The material from the jet and the glass, electrical and radio, and these little mite guys who were meant to survive in space, survived into a flattened surface of goo on the tarmac. Funny thing it was noticed right away, because the little guys camoed themselves into a landing stripe sign the guys had never seen before. It was like a cross between a danger do not land signal, and a tangent on where they all wanted to exit. When he walked away to tell all the guys, the stuff stuck to his feet and began tapping Morse code into his boot. Good thing he passed the test, because they tapped this very word into his shoe, and so they brought them to us. The cufflinks look good on cue classed him up a bit. So this is trial J on this one, and those papers up front. You can feed it to these guys if they're hungry. I've got to get on and about to the other three about it and you need to. Write these events up. I know she picked up the pen. Well you came at the right time, and you know we're into a crunch. What's the protocol for these guys in public? Just don't leave the paper behind. They get all cross when they lose their mates and it confuses the out of baristas who try to claim their outrageous tips. It seems these fellas have a bit of a wit towards the ladies and, well anyway. Keep them happy and they'll keep you happy. Happy. We're all happy. And that's the point. Dot. Anybody using that? He pointed to the hat on the hat track, didn't wait for a response and picked it up and headed towards the door, correcting his coat up a bit as he got out of the room. She smiled and led him back to the front and clicked her clacker at him and looked up as she sat down at the desk again and stated 101. He nodded towards the door and out. A hat, he liked. It was like odd jobs top rounded, but without the. He looked. And replaced it to his head. 
Yes without the chop chop part. He was back into his part, a bit more like himself and thinking of Arya. Well that didn't take long, how about a light travel dare walk down where I'm headed and then afterwards. It was dark. The mist was starting to hit mid-waist level and the two had been walking for about two hours talking about the project, and its specifics and integrations and making sure everybody involved had gotten what they needed. And us. Hugh tapped the cufflinks, and they continued walking. It wasn't a bad day you know. It was better than yesterday, and that kind of reminds me. You know, he pointed down to her. Those bits. Ah yes. Perhaps if we had more time yesterday, but we're here in the now. You know. And our stop is just ahead. Do you want to take a seat? Q paused and thought for a second. The mist was certainly coming up around him and the cufflinks were a sort of see-through now, with the water vapor, and he thought to himself. Well, now is the time, he raised his arm and tapped his two fingers across both anode and dryodes of the cufflinks and there was an incredible and warble just around them, like an egg. The light hitting them was fizzing around like little swimmy things, and the water vapor was just dots, completely solid and not moving a speck. Arya did look surprised, and looked at his jacket cuff and up at his grinning smile. The light from her warbled a bit too and they just stood there for a second, watching all of everything pass through them, as they became non-entities in the separation of light from matters and facts of spatial reasoning, said Q in his dim slated voice. And they carried forward. I see. Was Arya's gentle response and she took his hand and they continued walking forward towards a pier on the ocean. They don't as they passed some non-passerbys. Who didn't look up nor at all, and their speech was not an echo in thought as it was normally, and they could justly hear them and know they were not heard. They didn't see the click, or thought it was a mirage. And now we're here. Light, aren't they? He jiggled his cufflinks at the non-weight and continued walking and smiling about it. The light powers these things and the water is static and so is our material, and so. And so, Arya motioned up to the stars and they both looked up. And we are light too, I can feel it. It felt as if they had no weight, and indeed felt as if they could walk forever on these two feet and never need a rest or a place to stop. That was right. With only light and non-matter, it didn't matter, he said to himself. And the light was just that part of the wording that helped it make sense and the egg was. Well that was just a little joke, and in fact the forum again, and they talked about the joke. Of course we did she joked later in the conversation, and also of course referring to the punchline. And we always will. And will they ever, and so they carried on a bit about it and talked about the marriage of these technologies and of course what they were really good for, which again by design was the design of life, and life itself was. Well, they both nodded on in times like this when even things became a bit heady and they had done their jobs to get this here and that there, and the magnificence was. Oh. Well it was and. Hugh took out a second pen from his pocket. I got you a gift, of course. And they go together. Oh. This one's is a different color. I see. I like it. Metallic. Would be good for some drawing. You know. If we can get our hands on Miranda's notebook. You know the one I mean. He did. What did she call it? Spatial case book she did. We should call her tomorrow. Or is she already on? Is that you? A gentle ping came from her watch. 
Yes it's me and me, you know the footage is done. Developed and such for the film. You didn't tell her about. Did you? Of course not. Theaters took me up on the prints and the showings will be on and on about midnight the EGS will be lit up and we'll be on time. That is to be seen she grinned. Well quite. It should have quite an effect. The one you're looking for, I hope. With the right audience. Was his responsive response and they carried on a bit about it, and imagined for a bit what the new beginning would be like, and hoped they'd make it on time, and they joked some more about that. Well. And just at that moment, an asteroid came about the horizon and blitzed them all around, as the ocean burst up into a wash and stuck to the bubble they were now pausing and positively amazed and... Amazingly. It just stood there, and the matter passed through them, and it was as if they'd seen a million years of star experience in that instance and they were now quite definitely above ground, as the crater was now beneath them and water began to flow into it and yet they hovered. Oh side effect, said Q. And he stepped up a bit. And Arya smiled. And they began walking on the water pinholes and they were prickly but easy to balance on. And the mist was still around, and as they walked onto it and walked up the sky opened up and it began to rain, each time dropping pins around them and each time they walk up and up and up. And completely stable, and in the rain they walked up towards a cloud and it began to murble an electrical murble and they paused and thought about it. And it thought about them. And they could hear a slight whisper. And they hadn't heard that kind of voice before. And it was the water. And the water was just gently carrying on a conversation with itself, about its direction and about the presence of presence to be delivered on so and so, and it was in plain language, as they now heard it at its pause, and the light continued to swim around like water, and the water, inside still spun a bit to orient, and they looked closer, and closer at the individual droplets of water on their bite the blade. And Q brought up Aria's hand where she held the pen, and clicked the light onto the water. And... Tiny people. Gasped Aria like a bit of a shock she might have gotten from that pen or something. And yes. Dozens of highly recognizable people were chattering away, and away they were, miles and miles in fact. And that's the direction they faced. Towards themselves, if they needed the water and away and about in fact if they were chattering with other water warble bits about their bits and just what to do with themselves. And I'd stay in tonight, you know, if the easterly is going to kick off. And that bit of muck on aisle 5 has got to get a clearing, and a salty one they joked with each other. Some of the water just stood around and seemed confused about the light. And they looked at Arya and Q standing there watching them. Oh said one bit of water. So you found us out, eh? You're not going to tell anybody about us, are you? I mean with this thing and all. We haven't seen this thing turned on in... Well a couple of years and it was pretty fine back then. We'd love to stay and chatter about it, but our fellas have to get on with several light years worth of time and materials which you lot think is just a freak asteroid and a simple storm, eh? I bet that's what you think. Like the cloud didn't see that thing years ago and we haven't been chattering about it up until this point. I mean, a notion's worth of... What do you keep calling it? Van der Waal. Oh that's right. Well it's us. Hello. The water droplet chirped and Q. Yes I'm this bit of electron here, and that's my mate and we're headed in that direction for the big one, you know. If we can swing it? Q clicked off the pen. He knew. 
Well we'd better get to the show, and the show must go on, he stated to Aria and they began walking a bit towards the theater. I'd like a bit more of that, she said to him, and they were grasping each other's hands now. I mean you couldn't ask him a bit more about the weather, eh? Well they've got their lot and we've got ours tonight. And I'm sure we'll all be alright if the lights don't go out? She shuddered. Oh yes. Well the generator is handy but we weren't planning for a long outage. We'd have to move the show if it goes out and long. But we'll see. Dot. They just hit the theater at 11, and front row Miranda was there with her notebook as Arya sat on one side and Q on the other, with some goobers for the show he'd picked up in the front. Dot. Lights dimmed except the beams coming from the rear towards the screen, and Miranda took out her notebook expectantly. She motioned the pen for Maria, who gave it to her and she began to draw. Dot. The film was an art film. Well. The three knew it wasn't a film at all, but a continuous loop of two and a half feet of cellulose with our little friends running around in the light, charging and orienting to the eyeballs on them in the audience. And the audience was amused. At very first by the geometric primitive shapes in 2D, then 3D, then color, and as the color was painted onto the 3D objects they began to spin and form more complex shapes, and color themselves and the lines from the shapes would become evident and the lines would change color, as gradients, and move into as other lines, also in 3D and starting making real pictures that one could readily see as animals and people and plants and small critters and then created was a backdrop which moved independently. Although some of the material critters or EGS would switch between front and background as needed, and instantly adjust its coloring to match the presentation which was the orientation of the rest of them, and us. The pictures began to tell a story, a story about the audience, about how they had traveled there, their day, perhaps the day before, and what was on their mind. Quite the little mind readers, aren't they? He turned and smiled past Miranda and onto Aria as Miranda began to draw in her notebook. And the pictures were then very much about the present. About this moment. And in fact began to draw the audience as seated. And it was very much like a mirror. Except the patterns were evident which thoughts were coming off which people in the audience. And Miranda was at the center. And more centrally centered, the pen, metallic, in which she continued to draw into the notebook and the paper glimmered and she was drawing primitive shapes like triangles and circles and the pen was a thick metallic and all sorts of language flowed inside the metal as a communication of what she was drawing, thinking, and the light coming off the screen and its messaging. The screen now began, as if again, stopping abruptly and showing a countdown as a film starting might do. And it was a bit now into the future. Kind of like Christmas past in fact and began showing the storm outside and all the materials it had come to know about with contact with water and explained in pictures what the water wanted and why they were water in the first place, and to expound on it would just make literal sense, because they were in this place and the people and events were so specific to those moments, and ever-changing, that it was simply understood, and if you were watching it, you altered it and understood it as it altered you, and so forth and all the time. And Miranda drew a square into her notebook and scribbled into it a little poem, and the metallic seemed to like the poem and hurried around it, and the light from the theater shone on it a bit more, until the lights went out, and the film stopped, 
and the place was completely out now, sands the final metallic glow on the paper as they rushed to orient onto the poem, and the dimness became static. Onus and soft peat. For wit to eat. Ponder stitch. Neat. Said Q. And Miranda and Aria just paused a bit. We've got the program. For now Miranda gave the pen to Aria and closed her notebook. These guys will stick tight, but we have a bit more for them to do at the next showing. What should we do until then? More of the same, I guess, guessed Q. Right, and tapped his cuffs again at the two women and they got up and walked with him, to his left and continued on, and Aria grappled at Miranda's rear and motioned them along. And as motion goes, it was a pretty good one, and they carried on and carried each other in light conversation as the tryst met in a spatial hazy oil which they stepped into and around and their rear view mirrors were reveled in and beveled shades of hues and trickles of water popped in to say hello, and the sky's night was a deep blue and heady ideas of a continuation of their prior episodic adventure carried themselves into the night, and eventually into the padded bed they adored, and with each other took some bliss and a time and a half to say hello to to all their bids from forward and behind, and in and about, and onwards and upwards, etc. And they smiled and at a very early morning, or later later evening, Miranda opened up her notebook from the bedside above, and opened to the poem, and the light from her eyes reflected onto the page, and the poem winked back at her, and carried on with the paper for a second glimmer at Aria and the queue, and inside the poem, became a fractal of text at first mirroring the poem, and they simply spelling out a series of images and text, a language meant for her. It was her laundry list in fact, and she laughed. How did you know about my knickers? She laughed and slapped the notebook closed and wrapped it neatly with a red string and placed it by her side. Q looked up with one eye, then closed it and put his hand on her buttock. Aria curled inwards and spooned Miranda from the left, and Miranda continued to smile at the thoughts going through Aria's and Q's minds. Geneva is always good a second time and she clacked the lights out and turned and they just spent some time with each other's juicier bits for a time, and time again as they do, and imagined and positions their bodies as it pleased them and each other, and the leisure of pleasure carried them in their evenings, like tonight, and with hope every night and the sparkier bits were sparked and the water bits washed over them, and it was time and again. They took pause, and drifted off to a warm sleep for the tryst of them to trust and read over the day on a new day like tomorrow was promising to be. Dot. The proceeding has been a mild delve into the adventuresome and others for the non-crudity of credulous credibilities in the ongoing saga of our friends and their living forms of grandulous grandurosity the EGS and pendas in mightier and might be later for our pals. In a later episode. And forthwith is the side of knackers on a side trolley up the west side of highways and means for all who now and in the future, tense as in to say it backwards from the future, or in facts and fiction. Full stop. For the now, Aqua Q. like the truck stop bottle dropped sunside in a weathered balloon shot up to the side eleven aisle like those who follow down a highway towards the skyline oasis of puddles to smack her at. It was that kind of day again.
and by day I mean the middle as is the maths of night and this is that and another for the quiet quite ledger of vertical drops for a robot to read to you and another and auto the all around roundness of all city the velo kind of cheese that boxes cook for the dips to chip away at and the meter sticks into it and makes a spicy splashed up bit of ooze to enjoy. For what else is there? Leisure is our pronoun tonight, and we name it thus so as to utilize the measure of bars and beats and treasure to bury for later as in the coin termed paper you neglected to write the evening before dew drops bonders a muddy sandal toed continuation of a runner on sentences in a jail cellular conversation which a copywriter turned you on to, like a car keyed for digital entry in an age of golden ratio Fibonacci, the petal rose as grows on you, tattoo lady. What was her name again? came a quiet whisper across the room where needles drew and women showed their buttocks to other women to tauntle for, if that were a word, and it may be just and those drawings, where did you get them from? They are from a notebook I've been meaning to keep yet keep losing, as in my mind. She flipped through the art book, look here's another. Do you think that would look good here? Your other buttock. Yes and slightly to the left this time, see if RA's like this, and I'm on my side, you know. Well, for the... Shoot, I lost another one. That's the third needle this week. I've got to buy myself another set, but I've been using this one since the 80s. You know I draw on Mount Claire before her movie career. Remember she was all up into it and said it would never end. It was her buttock too, funny choice of wordings. She had me right up there. Up where? Asked the notebook women. Oh, I see. She looked at the pictures Ava was showing her now. In any event, yes she's beautiful, and I never saw the films. Stag were they? Kind of dark lines there, don't you think? And what's that? Just that. It's just a star with an arrow through it. Clever if you're into a Cupid's way out of town, as she was. Well she was my invention. She'd come in during the middle of the week and let me draw and pay me in tips from the movies and we'd have a chat about what was next and next too, and sometimes we'd go in the backhand, well she was she and I was me and it was good to see her from all sides. And so the women lit up, her cigarette, and flipped through the book that was being handed to her, as Ava drew more on her right buttock and began to hum. It was a tune, out of, and slight and they took their time away from each other and carried on in their minds. Mount Claire was flipping out, in the book in front of this young woman. Flip flip. And flipping. She's flipping people off there. And flipping over there. And over, and over there. And all over. What a spread. And what a book. She looked at the back cover. Nine and ninety-nine cents for this one. That's not bad for the eighties. I should get a bear. Like this? Ava turned her head up. Like you want that here? She motioned at one of the images from the book and pinched her patron's ass just a bit, and winked. Oh sure. I'd like a bit of Mount Claire, and some more about how she was, if that's part of the bargain it was. She looked at her arm a bit, following the curves which had been drawn by her own hand in Stafire Times and Squared as in the city where she fled in a summer not far from the swelter that tripped it from her profession, which was high finance, so to speak. And that comes with a smile, if you're interested," said the now positively gleaming young Ava, and she put her hand on the notebook and closed it. And closed doors, for an afternoon, the two enjoyed a bit of by Mount Claire, 
towards an in and around and about spiral and twists in the back and roomy sectional couched plotter which was the shop where pleases were aimed, like Cupid in the star. Dot. Oh carry on with it, then, I'll take more of that any day. Evening, here's my number. The paper read with A+, as in from Europe, or thereabouts, in the 31 range, if that was accurate, and it was and she began window shopping herself, to understate and understanding. And she was eyed wide, with the rest of her, and shop she did. From the inside out. Slash slash. The cobble streets where shoemakers cobbled shoeries is our next road stop to a man who is also shopping in the lives of facts and measures to dress as successor to a planet, just up the road, and to the left, and left to his own devices was he, outside in the rain where anything could and usually did, on his watch, happen. He looked at his watch, watched, and watched we was. He was followed eastwardly and down a bit until he was noticed and there was a bit of closure in and some cars began to pull around and other men got out of cars and began to walk towards the man, all the while the man stopped, to gently see what was moving and in which direction, and to see who stopped and who was near. And the nearest to him pulled out a packet of papers, neatly tied as in a manila envelope, and tucked it under his arm. You'll want to come with me. Shall we take a walk? A bit of a pause, a slightly uneasy, our character, looked, and turned with the man to have a conversation, and they walked. You know, you left us up last winter, we have the pictures you know. It was a crazy run finding you, you're not so easy to spot when you're not making waves like Geneva, are you? Do they all make it out? Asked the man. Yes all but three, we have them. They're safe and within means and agreed to help us find you, if you can find them came the reply. Oh, I see, and that was what they told me this morning as well. I declined. Of course you did, that's why we're... I mean, I'm here. Yes the cars. Not so obvious that anybody would notice that down the corridor, eh? All shopping at Marks and Spencer again? I mean the budget reads like a show stocked by one and the only, what was her name again? Penelope. Yes she runs the numbers and thought we'd all get new coats if we found you. Clever, look this has enough pockets to line yours and etc. Here. Take the envelope. I've got to get going and wanted to give you time to read and such. And the bridge is over there. I suggest you take a stroll and give it some thought. And if you don't jump over the side of that bridge, I'll take it as read that you're in and we can get on to business. Take it gently, Mr. Gent. Drab was his humor, read to the collage of photos from the spy X and tucked and bobbed away at the London fog he had worn himself. Page 11 is the one we want and he walked away. Dot. Leafing through this dossier was like a seeming seemingly of a party he was at just last year. All dead or alive, as per usual. He looked closely at one, ticked it out from between the pages, folded it into his pocket and tossed the rest over the side of that small bridge that was meant as a joke, but was perfect for recycling these matters, like water under a bridge, no less. Each whirled gently and moved on forward and on to his next stop, with a telephone. Dot. The phone chimed dot dot for twelve and a half minutes. The operator was listening. You could hear her breathing. All right in there Mavis? Got enough toffees to last the conversation this was her exchange and she knew the party he was trying to reach. She out you know. 
went down to the pub half past, you can still find her there she just rung up Pete and they're all on their way about to their next stop, if you can catch her. Thanks Mavis. You've saved my life on this one, and I'll send more toffees when I get out of the aisle. Click. Notebook under her arm. Man on the other, the young women walked out the pub and into a black cab. They rode into the city evening, with music from Bolero playing lightly on the stereophonic speaker dial-tuned radio program. And this is Radio 11, the driver turned down the volume. So it's West End again, eh? You client. All right, it's just up into that house, there. He pointed. And when you get it, you'll need this bottle of Dom and that's your entry into the back room, get it? And get it. We have 25 minutes and you should finish, or he'll finish you, and me. And I'll be round to pick you up, on time. Right? Right, she got out with the bottle and walked up to the steps, stepped up and took her key out. She jiggled her bosom in the lock and fingers the bottle of champagne just gently enough to remind herself that this was her job of jobs tonight. And she looked good. She peeled up her dress and showed her garter to the driver, winked, and rode in on the bottle towards the rear of the flat, and her client's client client. Dot. James sat up from the comfort of his suede couch and couched his cigar between his lip and breathed out. He took the bottle from the young women, who he knew as Claudia. Would you like a glass oh it's chilled? But you're hot. Here. He poured two glasses, clicked them himself, and handed her one, which she held up, to the artwork on the eastern wall. It's nice she said, to the artwork reminiscent of Rampart. Or that other one. You know her accent was gently dumbed down for this one. She knew it was. And was. She stammered. Good one, she thought to herself. Yes, I forget myself with that one, which is why we're here, again, right? To forget ourselves and get ourselves, on, in fact. Or was there another matter you came about? I keep coming, back and forth, for you and the plug, you know the show? Got any interests this time I should know about? I mean last time was a surprise. And a good one. Yes interest, high-heeled interest like the bank rolled Royces of Pottery Barnyard animal cookies glistened softly in a chewy ooze of sauntering sonder muck pie jubilee between cold winter sheets to the wind galloped velvet candied apple smotter. What? She learned that from Q. She bonged him on the head and smiled, she took some rope out of pocket, motioned, and tied him up a bit, to her pleasure, and then took out a pair of handcuffs and fixed his shoes to the chair, picked up the remainder of the bottle of champagne, and poured it into his mouth as he smiled expectantly. The bottle was of course drugged, and his smile turned into a half grin as he began to look as if he was having a stroke. He seemed alright, just couldn't get on with moving any, and she pulled a bottle of pills from her purse and left it by his chair. Just enough for now, I've got to get on with getting off from here now. Let me just take a few notes and I'll be off. She reached into his breast pocket and took his wallet, with some loose notes which seemed fresh and currenty. And a small pouch with a diamond, of sorts. This is a bit more my speed she eyed the lattice structure as it gleamed and pulsed a bit as she brought it close to some power in her purse, I won't be back again. But the gents will to finish up. Best of luck with them. Their light staff tonight, shouldn't hurt your feeling too badly. She picked up her dress, 
snapped her garter at him and quaked the door closed behind her as the car pulled around and she hopped into the back seat this time, with the very berry sort of a man she'd been looking for all evening. The map opened up between them as peaks and valleys in the legend too, golden and blissed right up for a tremor of a ride downtown, and around the bend, bent up slightly and to the left. Driven home, for the nowity of sake, and shaken gently, as in gentlemen, and jacked slightly without a boozy under. But plucked and swirled, until they were fast asleep, and the sun horizon hit the other side of the planet again. For this another day in the continuation of continuity. The preceding episodic climatoidal fries modastical trollop portion of Oeas had been whizzed up the middle ground of wired magnetics for the very purposes of proposed time-space displacement and should be willed and rendered thusly on your papers and screened lightly, photoshopped as for windows and the Mac truck stock grate and grated for cheese on and a finish for your evening as well. This is Aka Q and we bid a fair fair and well, from this Radio 11C3W. Hello this is Serena, the other other voice of our very special mutiny radio featured our, Radio 11, with Aqua Q, broadcasting Mondays at 5pm Pacific, as in the pacified pacifier of the suck and unsuck for your listening leisure, and we're also here to say that the mutt is all of us needs mutiny radio entertainment, and thus in this we are, so please consider a donation we are mutiny radio on Venmo, and if you want to be extra special, write in Radio 11 in the ledger to let our director know what's special these mid-afternoons, and now straighten up, and listen side a ways away and means to lean forwards to the tune of mutinyradio.fm. Today on Radio 11 we heard the blockchains of love and concurrency, our characters paged, and heavy headstock featuring Miranda from the Trist it's near 6 o'clock and you can find us on aquaqlabs.com and as well Twitter and Facebook do enjoy your dew and sunshine this find Monday and day and night for now and again. Radio 11, this is AquaQ.
colonizers but your family you thought I was only joking but I'm screaming don't gather at the top of my lungs at the folks in the chats and the conference calls no I won't take your hand and spread a disease cause baby we're all gatherers but I chose to own from home we camped together for 48 years and held hands in the circle each summer but when it came time on the fourth to go stand in the meadow we left you all alone we prayed at home howdy folks and welcome to another episode of always free the radio show and podcast about rainbow gatherings and the people who love to participate in them Always Free can be heard weekly on Tuesdays at mutinyradio.fm from 4 to 6 p.m. San Francisco time, which is Pacific time. You can also hear back episodes, if you missed any, by looking for Always Free wherever you find your podcasts. That's all one word, spelled A-L-L-W-A-Y-S-F-R-E-E. This week's episode is brought to you uh, pre-recorded on Sunday night from Paris, France. I'm on my way into the European gathering in France and put together uh, this episode for you from my hostel. Uh, we've got a lot to bring you this weekend. Uh, we're going to be giving you some unfortunately necessary legal updates about a crime that was committed against a rainbow teenager at the Pennsylvania Prism Gathering. Uh, we're also going to be bringing you updates on cleanup after the New Mexico gathering near Taos. Uh, internationally, we'll be bringing